Y'all, welcome back. I am so excited right now because this evening we're going to do a special unplugged edition. We're going to do an acoustic set. And by that, I mean it's uh, it's just going to be just me and you tonight, guys. Um, had a lot of last-minute cancellations. Uh, had a guest. He had to bail. Eric is still, man, I love you, bro. Good luck. And Vance had a thing pop up. It's You know what? It's for the best, guys. I, I think we've... Uh, I think we're long overdue for just some me and you time, and I, and I really wanted to take this opportunity just to, you know, sit down with just you guys and, and really hash out a, a very important thing that I wanted to talk about, horse racing. I'm sure it's on all of your minds, and honestly, uh, I got to admit, it's something that we used to do a lot uh, in Austin. We used to drive down to San Antonio, or at least a little bit north of San Antonio, whatever, and go to the horse track down there. It's called Rotama Park, and it was awesome. I mean, honestly, I remember doing it even as a kid. Like, we would go, I mean, I don't even think I was old enough to drive. Certainly my brother wasn't, and we would go with my mom and dad. And, I mean, look, I'm not telling any of you parents out there, if you, if you know, if there are parents out there listening, whatever, I'm not necessarily telling you that you should take your kids to go do it, but it's incredibly fun. I have fond memories of, I mean, I, I certainly wasn't able to bet. I, I remember having to tell my parents what to bet on, not that I had any money to bet <laughs> anyways, but I, I seriously remember the event. It's such a big production. It's such a fun thing. And the reason why it's on my mind is because I just went this past weekend for the first time in, I mean, in years. There, uh, I don't actually think there is any... Uh, horse racing up in South Dakota. In fact, we'll get back to that later. Uh, I even got a quiz for you guys. You guys, tonight, we're going to do something special. I got a, I got a decent story to end with. I don't want to build it up too much, but you, you know me. It's going to be a friggin' amazing story, guys. It's going to be the best story you've ever heard, so stay through that. But I do have a quiz that I guess uh, I guess you guys can just play along at home. I, I, you know, we'll find out how, we'll see how that goes. But anyways, uh, haven't done the horse racing thing in years. I mean, probably six, seven years-ish. And we just went this past weekend, and it was a blast. Uh, we, we built it up with our kids. I mean, our kids are, my kids are six and four. And we took them. And, and honestly, they had fun, too. Like, we built it up all week. That we're going to go watch horses. There's a whole, they have really silly names. And they, they're all different colors. And all the, we built up the, the, page, the pageantry of it. But then also, because I'm a, I'm a degenerate, and I want to I get my kids hooked early, we also told them that if they pick the winner of each race, if they pick the winning horse, they get a piece of candy. Because <laughs> why not? Let's let's get six and four-year-olds into the concept of gambling and the idea of wagering and winning and losing real, real young. Great story how it went down. Stay through for that. But, in, but first, I guess, not instead, or, you know, whatever, instead. Fuck it. I can say what I want. The history of horse racing actually doesn't go back as far as I thought, or at least horse gambling or gambling on horse racing, or horse betting, you know what I mean. Horse racing goes back forever, probably as far back as, as horses existed, and as far back as we could hop on them and, and run around for sport. But the idea of gambling on horses only goes back a, a few hundred years. It was in the UK, in, in jolly old England, or I guess it was probably the full United Kingdom back then, it doesn't matter, in the 1600s, during the reign of King James the first that's at least how gambling on horses as it stands today started i mean you know going back to, to i mean going back to like the roman empire and, and chariot racing like i'm certain human beings were gambling on that you know like i i, I would be I'd be willing to bet, and there's no way to prove this wrong, so I, I'm certain I'm correct because you can't possibly prove me wrong. I'm willing to bet the people have gambled 
always. Like I, I just, I, I, it's such an easy concept. In fact, it's something we used to do back in the day. We used to gamble on like kids' TV shows. Like I think I said this on the pod before, but we, we used to gamble on like Nickelodeon guts and like, you know, silly shows like that just as kids, because it was just something to do. So I'm certain that adults back in, in the day, you know, like Ben Hur and such, like I'm certain there was gambling going on. But point is the gambling that we know it today on horse racing, uh, it starts in, you know, the early 1600s, like I said, and it has pretty much stayed the same since then. Uh, but it, it's basically worldwide, or at least there are plenty of places that you can gamble on offsite horse races and that actually brings me (laughs) we're gonna see how this goes to this week's quiz everybody we're like three minutes into the show you excited i'm excited how many states in america allow horse racing gambling allow you to bet on horse races i'll allow some time and just filler here it feels very much like i'm imagining the people that do like blues clues or any other kids shows when, when they're just talking to the camera and, and they're assuming that the kids at home are answering their questions are like where is the the purple shirt in the closet there it is but anyways how many states in america allow gambling on horse racing is 41 states but the interesting thing about that is four of those states don't even have horse tracks in their state. Uh, can you guess which four they are? Doop-dee-doop. Rhode Island and Connecticut allow you to bet on horse races in other states, which a lot of places do. Even If you can go to uh, horse tracks, even when there's not horses like physically at that track, and bet on horse racing that are in other cities and other states, and that's just like a thing. South Dakota and Missouri, however... They allow you to bet on the horses in state, but they only have horse tracks like that are set up temporarily at like county fairs and shit, I guess. Like it sounds super ghetto, but like what else do you expect from Missouri? Jokes. Anyways, the 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 people that we went with, uh that we were, you know, we went to the horse races with, they were actually like reading the program and like breaking down the data and like the 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 times and and, you know like they could actually read like oh this this horse is better in short distances and like i've never done that like i don't know about you guys but if and when i do bet on horses i bet on names alone like i i I can sort of see the odds i get the idea that the you know the house is going to put better odds on the better horses and you know or i guess worse odds on the better horses lower odds on the better horses you know how it works you're going to get less money for betting on the favorite so i get that but basically, I picked, I picked the names. And, and honestly, one of the best nights ever, as far as gambling-wise goes, uh, with horses, was the night that I was texting Eric. Uh, you know, obviously, you guys know Eric. I was texting him the names of the horses as I was down there with my family. And he was helping me pick solely on names. I mean, literally, only based on names. I didn't even give him the odds. And I won probably as much as I've ever won that night. And I don't win very often. But I won a ton that night, or at least a ton to me at the time as a 19-year-old kid or whatever I was. The second time that I did the best at uh, the horse track races was when I basically just copied off of Vance's wife. Uh, y'all may know Lauren. She's been on a couple of episodes. But she's actually quite a, uh, a horse aficionado I, I don't have any they own horses and stuff like she i almost said she's quite the horse person but i felt like that'd be insulting because she, she doesn't look like a horse unless you think horses are pretty in which case she does look like a look I, you get it moving on i copied her because she knows horses she was able to say like oh this this horse you know she has been here a couple of times and you could see that it does well and in smaller stack rate look i don't understand any of the terms but she was able to to see all of that and so I copied off her, and I did pretty well. All the other times, I've pretty much lost everything, including this past weekend. I, I did not win. 
I think I won one race and it didn't pay that well. Like, you know how it goes. Like it, the fun is the moment. The fun is, you know, having a drink, getting, a, you know, because I mean, you're there for like nine, 10 races, getting some food. I almost said getting a hot dog, but hot dogs are disgusting. I could probably do a whole episode just hating on hot dogs. But anyways, copying off Lauren was the best I've ever done. In fact, I wonder how many like, this is right. You know what? I'm just gonna do some live research here on the show, guys. Uh, buckle up. I wonder how many female jockeys there are. Because at least this past weekend, it was only dude jockeys because they had the names of the dudes uh, written down or whatever, like with the, with the horses. Hold on now. How many? All right, here we go. Um, oh, here's a fun fact, guys. Female jockeys weren't even allowed at the Grand National Horse Race until 1977. Wow, that's crazy. I mean, it, even in the 70s, even in the 60s and 70s, free love and all that and revolution, but it still took till 77 to let a woman in. God, as with every topic I'm finding, the, the, the rampant sexism throughout the history of anything, doesn't matter what the subject was, it's going to be a pretty sexist, pretty male-dominated thing, as we, as we do. Uh, let's see here. Oh, wow, good Lord. Since 1977, there's only been 19 female jockeys entering into the Grand National since then. Like, that is absurd. I got the names of them here, but I don't know that anybody would recognize them. At least certainly I don't, so whatever. Diane Crump. Big fan. Big fan of Diane Crump. And then Rosie Napravnik. She looks really intense. Wow. I mean, I bet you would have to be. But also, why wouldn't you want a female jockey? I mean, I'm just guessing like a 5'2". I don't actually know how tall jockeys probably are. Probably less than 5'2". But I'd imagine if you take a 5'0 dude and a 5'0 girl, on average, the girl weighs less. And wouldn't you want that for your jockey? Like, I, I'm just, I don't understand why, like... In a, in a sport, I guess, or in just a strictly timed race, and you're making money if you win, wouldn't you just want whoever does best? Why, why would you aim it towards men? I'm sure there's a reason. Anybody out there listening, like, if you actually know horses, you're probably just laughing at me, and that's, that's fine. You know what? I'm, not, I'm totally, totally okay with that, so we're just going to move forward. But, yeah, y'all, here, here's, the, uh, here's the story, the main reason that I really wanted to do this, uh, this topic tonight. We built it up all week. For our kids, we were going to go, uh, and, and you can, uh, this is going to sound very unbelievable, and I'm not mad at you for not believing me, but I swear to you it's true, you can fact check this. This was at the Bally's Arapahoe Park, B-A-L-L-Y, Arapahoe Horse Track, Horse Park, whatever, Bally's, Bally's, anyways. We built it up all week. We're like, because, you know, obviously, kids, they love horses, and my daughter, I mean, any that sounds sexist, but most girls, I'm guessing any girl would love horses. So we just kept talking about, we're going to go see ponies. We're going to see horses, all the, you know, the fun colors, blah, 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 the pageantry. And, uh, and so we get there and we've built it up. Our kids are stoked. Like they are genuinely quite excited. You can't, you cannot sit inside, uh, you know, cause of COVID and all that and whatnot. So everybody's outside and we're basically on the track. We were literally right up to the fence, up to the railing. And if you wanted, you can either walk like far to the left and kind of be like, I mean, the track's a big circle for those. I'm sure everybody knows. But the, uh, some of the races were short. Some were full laps. Some were a little bit more than a lap. And some were well less than a lap, like a quarter of the, the, you know, the circle oval thing. It was basically just a dead sprint. And this first race, we get there in plenty of time. We set up. With, you know, we bring our own chairs. We get drinks and popcorn for the kids and all that. And we set up more or less near like midway through this sprint. Not right at the front, not right at the, you know, the horse gate thing and not right at the finish line, but more or less right in the middle. But we can see him. Like you can, if I hopped this fence, I could easily like, you know, maybe 10, 10 steps and I'm right there. Like it's real, we are real, real close. The horses look huge. They all come out. Kids go bananas. They're having a blast. You know, they're picking based off color and names and all that's great. Well, race one is about to start. 
the announcer's going through all his stuff, making his picks and yada yada. And then, you know, he, uh, it, 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 like, we are right next to the wall. I cannot possibly explain that enough because that is it's crucial for the rest of the story. The announcer gets it all started. You know, he has such and such in lane one, such and such in lane two, blah, 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 blah. And they're off. And the horses take off. And the horse on the outside lane of the nine horses, horse number nine, trips. Falls immediately. Maybe seven, eight steps. Hasn't gone very far at all. It's been six seconds max. Throws the jockey flying through the air. Jockey hits face first into the guardrail that is maybe 20 feet from myself and my children. (laughs) Jockey stays down. He doesn't bounce up. He doesn't give thumbs up to the crowd. Jockey stays down. Also, the horse stays down. Rest of the race finishes. Uh, we lost because I, I didn't. It would have been perfect had I bet on the horse that fell, but I didn't. But I still bet on a horse that lost. So whatever. Rest of the race finishes. Well, now there is just a a literally injured horse and injured human being on the track. <laughs> they they a bunch of people run over to the dude. He's not getting up. He's not moving. After about a minute or two, an ambulance comes out onto the dirt track and picks up old boy. <laughs> then remains the larger problem. Uh, larger in probably monetary value and larger just in weight in that the horse is still down. It hasn't moved. Like, it, it keeps trying to kind of stand up, but it, it can't. It's like, at this point, it's, it's glaringly apparent to all of the adults in the audience that this horse is done for. So we are trying to spin it to our kids who are asking a ton of questions. That You know, they're going to take him to a farm. <laughs> We're gonna, no, he's going to live a long, happy life. He's going to go and he's going to live next to a brook, a babbling brook. And he's just going to eat strawberries and drink out of a stream for the rest of his life. I don't know if horses eat strawberries. It doesn't matter. You get the point. We are lying to our kids. Well, also during all of this, the announcer realizes he has to fluff now. He has to just kind of wing it just to like get through this awkward pause because they are now bringing out, I mean, essentially like a giant trailer that has a mechanical wench because, I mean, horses weigh, I don't even know, thousands of pounds probably. Like horses, certainly no person or even amount of people are going to pick this thing up. You know what I mean? Like if it ain't walking, it ain't moving. How much do horses weigh? Wow. Yep, up to 2,000, 2,200 pounds, give or take. Good times. Super heavy. No one's lifting it. I could lift it, but you know what I mean. Super heavy. So now they have to bring out this giant trailer thing with a winch, and they put up this huge sheet. It's about eight, nine feet tall. They cover everything, and I'm guessing that's because they didn't want to watch or didn't want to have us watch them drag this horse up a ramp and into a trailer because I can't imagine that's humane. Like, PETA ain't stoked right now. But my favorite part of all of it, I don't have anything of his favorite. It's terrible because that horse is probably put down now. The announcer has to fill time. It's been a couple minutes and it was silent, and now he has to fill time. So he just starts interviewing anybody next to him. Literally, much like I was doing 30 minutes ago, texting anybody I could find. and be like, hey, you want to come on a podcast? And of course not. Everybody's busy. They have things to do. On like 30-minute heads up to come do a podcast. Not going to happen. Well, this guy has to do the same thing, except for he's got thousands of people listening, which, I mean, I do too. I've got thousands, thousands of followers. Thank you all so much, all 12 of you. This dude has to start just fluffing, and he's interviewing guys that don't speak English. One dude had an Asian accent. One dude had a Mexican accent. They're both speaking broken English. He's trying to interview them. I think they were ex-jockeys, maybe. The one guy, he's asking about, like, a 1986 race, to which the guy, A, again, doesn't speak great English. I'm not mad at you. He's just, he wasn't there to talk. Like, I'm not, I'm not mad at anybody. If you, if you don't speak the language, that's not your job. Unless your job is sales or radio talking. Like, you don't need to know the language. I don't care at all. This guy didn't, though. And so now they're trying to do on-the-fly 
interviews about something that happened 30 years ago. This guy doesn't remember and he can't speak English. It's the worst interview of all time, yet it's my favorite thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Meanwhile, my kids have lost all interest. It's been literally almost 30 minutes of dead air. There's nothing going on. There's no more horses coming out. There's no more racing. All they want is candy. So all we do is just give them the candy. We've now ruined the illusion of betting on these horses. We just gave them candy and let them go walk around. At this point, we're just walking around an empty stadium while they tend to an injured horse. So point of this very short episode, I'll admit, point of this episode is go to the horse races, guys, because odds are race one isn't going to end that way. And then the next races, two through nine, once they finally got it all started and we kind of got the kids back together, it was a blast. It was genuinely a blast. Now, I, I don't think that you could take your kids to a casino. Legally, I don't think you even can. But they wouldn't get it. I, I don't think I could sit my six-year-old down at a baccarat table and, and expect him to understand it. But he totally gets a race. Kids totally understand, you know, that horse is fast as whatever, whatever. Like, it, it was honestly really, really fun. So... If you're still listening, um, <laughs> a I'm, I'm I'm surprised, but b let's uh let's deep dive, guys. I, I don't know how many of you out there care about uh, religion. I, I honestly, I mean, it, looking back through some of the episodes, some of the religious episodes are some of the more uh, popular ones we've recorded, and some are not. So I really have no idea uh, what it is anybody out there listening, it, it, what you listening uh, care about. So hopefully you do. And if not, then, um, well, feel free to turn it off. Look, I don't know what to tell you. But we're going to deep dive here because uh, I don't think I've solo gone on a tangent about, uh, you know, God or the God topic or religion or whatever. So, um, yeah, let's get into it, guys. Why not? we got some time. <laughs> uh, why do I think that the concept of what or who God is is important. I think, if, let's just start here. If God is real, I think it's incredibly important, at least to attempt to to understand what God is. Not necessarily what God wants or how to, how to necessarily serve God better. I've not been of that mindset really ever, even in my heyday of religion. I've never understood the concept of serving God. Why would, why would God need to be served? You know what I mean? Like, if God is this thing that is, you know, omniscient or omnipresent or all, all powerful, which one's that? Omnipowerful? I don't know. Doesn't matter. Uh, omnipotent. There we go. It's, if God is this thing that has literal powers why would god be wanting us to help why would god need help so i don't think god actually does need help if god is in fact real but the other side of it is if god isn't real then holy smokes it's absolutely absurd like if god is is just a just a figment of our imagination or just a human construct my oh my are we insane like the, the amount of stuff that's being done in god's name and look i don't blame God or even the concept of religion for what uh, for what humans do in the name of God. We've covered that before. Humans do all kinds of nonsense in the name of all kinds of nonsense. So to to blame whatever it is that that they use to blame their own actions on that's not fair. You know, like that that's not fair at all. But if if God isn't real, I mean, it's incredibly silly and just I mean, just a total waste of time that we would be we'd be spending this much time thinking about or talking about or singing about or writing about or drawing about or painting Sistine chapels. All of these things we would be would be insane, (laughs) would be an incredible waste of time to be thinking about what God is if God is, in fact, not real. 
I don't know. But then, I mean, it. Then again, is it? Is it actually a waste of time? Is is time spent thinking about something larger than yourself a waste of time? I'd actually argue that it's not. I, I would argue, I think, that some part of you does in fact benefit from searching for anything other than life as we know it. I mean, even, and, and I will go so far, and look, I, I'm not one to necessarily believe in, in Bigfoot. I'm not one to believe in Loch Ness Monster or even ghosts. I have no proof that it exists or doesn't exist one way or the other, but I just don't tend to believe in monsters. However, the concept of aliens, which I guess then in turn is ghosts, which I guess then in turn could be set to a, a concept of religion or God or whatever, I, I tend to believe that maybe there is a thing there. But regardless of if it's true or not, I have no facts. Nobody does. I mean, maybe some of those declassified documents lately. I, I know there's a bunch of stuff coming out there that's interesting. But point is, point is, spending time thinking about something else, I mean, it, it, taking a mental break from reality, I think can be refreshing, especially a mental break that by definition is actually trying to help describe and understand reality just from a higher vantage point, or at least a different vantage point, you know, whatever. Because I mean, who's to say, who's to say God is physically larger or or higher, you know, than us? If, again, if God exists, like why does it have to be some grandiose creature? that exists on a higher dimension or, you know, a different plane of existence. Like, I mean, hell, God could be an ant or an atom. Hey, <laughs> God could be Adam, you know, Adam and Eve, guys. Hey, guys, get it? You ever get it? You ever think about that, guys? Hey, get but, but okay, but at the crux of it, honestly, I, I do wonder if I only care about what or who or, you know, whatever about God, religion, any of it. I wonder if I was, I mean, I was, I, I was raised in a setting that religion was brought up constantly. And, I mean, you know, anybody listening, if you've heard of previous episodes, uh, obviously, God was a huge part of, of my youth, of my formative years. So I wonder if I wouldn't care if I was raised in a family that didn't talk about it so much. And it's odd because, like, I mean, you have to listen. I've got peers that have come on the show. Like plenty of Ashley, Eric, Vance. Plenty of people have come on, and they all have differing opinions, all of whom, I mean, I sat next to. Like, I sat next to Eric in math class. I'm, like, ninth grade. And then we also went to chapel together. So, like, he heard all the same stuff, thought all the same things, or at least was told all the same things, not thought all the same things. We just created a bunch of stuff. Why, then, have we all gone sort of different directions with it? You know, like uh, some of us have gone to be to choose to believe in atheism. Some of us have gone to believe, you know, in hardcore Christianity. I mean, we've had Steve on. He's a pastor now. Why is it that Steve, who I sat next to in choir, went on to become a pastor and I went on to do whatever you want to call this, where I question everything as opposed to Steve is, is a devout believer. And what here's something that I can say for certain. I know that Steve truly believes what he says now. I don't necessarily even know that he's right, and I don't think it even necessarily matters. Th that might be the, the the main, the most important thing is that does it matter? You know, like it, like there's no, it, is there necessarily a wrong answer or you know a bad point of view? You know, I I, I, I am constantly fascinated by by anything to do with whatever it is someone believes I, I met somebody recently a uh, minnesotan guy he's a great dude and we and he was raised uh catholic and we you know was devout into it and we got into it like it, we basically had just met 
but we went off on like a 45 minute dialogue about, you know, just talking about God and, and not necessarily our lack of faith these days, but just how it's changed or morphed or, you know, what it is we're truly thinking. But, uh, and see, and that's what I mean. Like if, if Vance, who literally sat right next to me is now an atheist and then Ashley, who literally sat right next to me is still, I mean, I don't know what you want to call it. I'm not trying to speak for anybody else. That's not the point of this. Why is it that, that I have chosen to kind of fixate upon this religious thing? And, and I hope that anybody out there listening, I, I, if you also believe this way, I hope it gives you some peace that you're not crazy. Or maybe we are. I don't know. But here's the thing. If God exists, I think that would almost require or, or at least lead one to believe that an afterlife exists. And I'm not one to fixate upon an afterlife or... or, or I don't think that we necessarily have to constantly be like looking for a means to an end to get to heaven. I think that would be a waste of life. If God exists and God created life for all of us to be, you know, a part of and enjoy and exist in, then I don't think it would. Why would a God make a level one without a level two? You know, like what there, there's obviously going to be a level two. Like what, what is the point of this? But that maybe that's the question. What is the point of this? But I don't think that level one, if the only purpose of level one is simply to get to level two, then this is silly. Why wouldn't we have just started at level two? You know what I mean? I don't know if it's making sense. We're just going to run with it, y'all. Thank you. Seriously, thank you for making it even, you know, eight, nine minutes into this nonsense. I think that if God exists, then it gives me peace that there is a eventual end game to all of this that there is a reason for all of this. But what is equally peaceful, and I have, to, I have to admit this, what is equally peaceful, if there is no God and there is no meaning, and this is truly all random, then that's peaceful as well. You know, that, that gives one a, a sense of, of freedom, I, w- I would suppose. And that's, dude, that's what I don't, I don't know who I'm duding, but you at home, dude, guy or girl, dude, that's what gets me... It has certainly pushed me off religion, but there's not necessarily, in my opinion, a requirement for religion to involve rules. The freedom that I just admitted in the spur of the moment that the atheistic belief brings, the freedom of choice, the freedom of action without consequence, uh, at least without divine consequence. Obviously, laws still exist and you know, rules still matter and that don't hit nobody and don't assault nobody. Obviously, come on, that, don't be silly. The rules beyond human rules, that there would be a layer or level above that that you would also have to pay attention to, that seems like a waste. It, if, if this existence right here, this life we're all living, if we have to be aware of the speed limit and, you know, don't get caught trafficking heroin and, you know, don't, don't rape, you know, if we have to be aware of all of those things while also, like, get to work on time. You know, make sure you got your shirt tucked in and your shoes tied. Like all of these things that we have to pay attention to. If then we have to pay attention to all of them, as well as all of these divine rules to, you know, not if you if you think about sin, it's the same as doing it. Like Jesus said that, like if you have to then also watch what it is you think it, it, I, I would hope that just knowing that sometimes you're going to have a thought that you shouldn't act on. And knowing that you shouldn't act on it should be good enough, as opposed to potentially the religious belief. Some, some, not all, I'm not even going to name what religion. Some religions do believe that your thoughts matter just as much as your actions. And I, 
I just would disagree with that. If I am judged upon my thought, like if I think that I, if I think that some dude deserves to be punched in the face, but I don't punch him in the face, I think that's good enough. <laughs> you know, I think that should be fine. I, I think that if there is a deity judging me, they should judge that to be acceptable. But if if whatever belief system you hold dear would judge me for thinking that certain people genuinely need to get kicked in the teeth, then I don't want to be a part of it. I, I don't want to believe in it. I, I, I really don't want to have anything to do with that because I think that's healthy. I think the idea of, of thought about things that may not even exist, such as violence against a douchebag or afterlifes. Either way, they're, they're basically the, <laughs> the same thing. But I would think that those thoughts shouldn't count against me as long as I only act upon the positive ones. I mean, sometimes I have thoughts that are absolutely absurd. I mean, I think we all do. I'm going to make something up, but sometimes I've, you know, I've never had this thought, but we're just going to run with it. Sometimes I've thought that I should gather all the leaves in the backyard and flush them down the toilet. Like, I've never had that thought, but, you know, I guess I just did. Point is, I've had equally random thoughts that made absolutely no sense. What's the point of those? If we're judging thought as, as a character-building action, then what, what, is, what do those count as? Are those positive or negative? Are those just neutral? And if they are just neutral, then, then what's the point of any of this? If we can have thoughts that mean nothing, who judges which thought counts and which thought doesn't? You know what I mean? Like, I, I would hope that if there is a deity, I, I do like the idea that God knows your heart. If that's, again, presupposing that God exists. I, I would only want a deity that knows my heart. But I have to admit, lately I've been on a I've been on a kick, and this is this is due to a movie we watched. It's due to Free Guy. In case anybody's seen that movie, Free Man, Free Guy doesn't matter. I'm terrible with that stuff. I, it's like the first movie I've watched in a while. But the idea that we could be these autonomous creatures that were created by a creator, but then we are one of many things. Like if if you've seen the movie. Somebody wrote a computer program, and the, the characters in this computer program became sentient and eventually you know, became self-aware and kind of conscious and you know, technically alive, I guess, whatever. That could easily explain us and in a myriad of different ways. It doesn't require computers. It could easily have been an organic thing. It could, you know, there's so many other ways that consciousness comes about. That's not the point. But the fact that we are conscious, or at least think we're conscious, would, would at least imply that there was something before us. I just, I, at least to me, I don't understand how we could be without something making us be. And that's like, I, I'm not going to pretend that I know science, but I, I think that's like the first rule or some, something with thermodynamics. Like energy cannot be created or destroyed. Matter cannot be created. Or destroyed. You guys know I'm not smart. Move along. How did we get here without some impetus? But then how did that impetus get there? And then, you know, it's, it's, it's a self-regressing question that you really can't answer. And so I, I think eventually it comes down to just what do you want to have been? But in the mindset that we are this created thing, there could easily be other created things, which would, you know, go to the multiverse theory, you know, the, the parallel universes and blah, 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 all that stuff that I don't fully understand. But I got to admit, I, I can accept at least but I, I, lately, I, I like the idea, or I think the idea that, in the sense that, and I, I've watched my son start multiple video games. He started Pokemon, then he started Minecraft, and he just started a, a Dragon Ball Z game literally today. And he's created characters in all of these. He literally created these characters. 
Now, are they sentient? No. Can, are they conscious? Obviously not. These are me characters or we care, whatever the Nintendo Switch things are. They're all, you know, they're not sentient or, or, but just pretend for a second that they were and that he created a character and then he sets the game down for days or weeks or months or he literally lets the game, like that one game disc or square or whatever rolls under the couch and he forgets about it literally forever. What if, and this is a super dark thought, what if that is us? What if we are one of these created consciousnesses, created worlds, created, you know, infinite escapes, expanses, infinite expanses, not escapes, you know what I mean? Infinite expanses that were created by a creator, but then genuinely forgotten about. I've never understood the phrase God is dead. I've never really gotten that, but maybe that's it. What I mean, the idea that, I mean, I've created characters. PlayStation 1 wrestling video games. I used to create dozens of characters. That was more fun to me than playing the actual game was creating the character. I haven't touched that. Like, my PlayStation memory card probably got chucked in the trash years ago, decades ago even. I mean, and eventually I will die, and those characters will die with that because they'll never be picked up or they were forgotten about or whatever. Like, it's a dark thought, and I'm not necessarily saying it is true. I'm just saying that it could be true, and I finally understood the concept of God is dead. In a... In a world such as this or, or or reality such as this i think that time doesn't necessarily matter as much you know obviously you know i've been alive for 30 something years this planet's been around for i don't even know to be totally honest i was going to say that let's let's say 200 billion i don't fire whatever that doesn't necessarily mean anything you know like that that doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme however long the planet or, or just life has, you know i don't know how long the big bang was ago in fact we're going to google that real fast just because i'm curious but it doesn't matter you know like that all of that could be and again maybe that's just the the christian religion seed planted in me but the idea that you know in in heaven forever is a minute and minute is forever like the the idea of time Once you take a step back and another step back and to to attempt to do whatever it is I'm doing here, time doesn't necessarily matter. So whoever or whatever created this, he could have created it. I hate that I just said he. I've been trying so hard not to say he. He, she, they could have created it, I mean, from their point of view, six seconds ago. And we've had billions of years, you know, how long ago was the Big Bang? Because now I need to know. 13.8 13.8 billion. 13.8 billion years ago could be just, you know, a blip, a commercial break to whoever or whatever created this. Or, equally as likely, in my opinion, whatever random act of nature created this. But what I don't understand about the Big Bang is that, you know, it, and I'm reading this right now, a tiny, dense fireball that exploded. Most astronomers use the Big Bang theory to explain the universe how it began, blah, blah, blah. Like, it... I don't know. It's just, it seems like a cop-out in as much as, admittedly, in as much as saying God did it is also a cop-out saying, oh yeah, Big Bang, two, two atoms or two molecules or, you know, two things hit each other and they exploded and now we're here. That's, that's as much of a cop-out. And I'm not saying I have a better answer. I know for a fact, I don't have a better answer. I I couldn't possibly tell you what happened before time began. You know, like, come on, (laughs) who could, I don't think anybody, I'm, in fact, I, I know for certain nobody, period, nobody. So what is the point of all this? Why, why do some people spend their life devoted to God? And some people spend their life devoted to you know, researching things like the Big Bang. Why, at least for some people, is there this innate urge to understand things that we fundamentally are incapable of understanding? 
You know, like it, it, are we even supposed to figure it out? And that's probably the hardest question I could ask myself because that's maybe why I push it as much. I want as many different people's points of view on the concept of religion or, or God or, or mysticism or whatever. I don't care what you believe. If you believe in aliens, if you believe in magic, if you believe in nothing, I want to know because I don't know why we're all different there. Like, there are very few people that would argue that 2 plus 2 equals 4. I think most, if not literally all people that understand math would agree with that fact. That's a simple fact. Why can't we agree on where we all came from? Well, because we don't know. And that's kind of the issue. And maybe that's what historians have been aiming at. It's what we've kind of all been aiming at is how did we get here? You know, the year that we've called 2021, who, you know, 13.8 billion years. Technically, it's 13.82021. You know what I mean? Like, that's not even the right number of digits. But you get the point. Why are we so fixated on it? And maybe you listening aren't. But honestly, if you're still listening, hopefully you are, or at least find this nonsense interesting. <laughs> but yeah, like, somebody cares about this a lot. I mean, myself included, but so many people care about this. Atheists care, theists care, agnostics Maybe agnostics don't care. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But like all sides are represented and you can probably find someone that will argue for it vehemently regardless of the point of view. In fact, you could probably find hundreds if not thousands of people that would argue whatever point you're trying to find. I mean, you can find hundreds of people that will, you know, argue flat earth. You know, like I'm not even going to go down the vaccine road, but get vaccinated. Just fucking do it. There's plenty of people that still believe flat earth. And like, I think it's past trolling. At first I thought it was just trolling, but now I think that some people actually do. So like, what, how is it? I mean, it, it's no wonder. It's no wonder we can't agree on is there or isn't there a God. If we can't even agree on, you know, <laughs> is the world around. Like, it's just, it's crazy. But maybe that's why I am fascinated. Or at least one of the reasons I'm fascinated is, is that it is a, a, it's a global thing. Every single country has a, if not multiple religions and also atheists living there and also agnostics living there. Like there are multiple versions of belief on every, you know, quote unquote corner of the globe and every religion is different. Like every single religion is at least slightly, if not grossly different from the one before. Some are, are, I mean, literally all are bizarre. If you frame them in a certain context, any and all thoughts on what it is we're doing here is bizarre, including the Big Bang. That's bizarre. An explosion happened, and now there's people. An explosion happened, and now Twitter exists. Like, what? come on. That's, that's it? That's really, like, and it, I get that you have to call it at some point. At some point, you have to just be like, whoop, God did it, or whoop, Big Bang. I, I, I understand that. But what I am at least intrigued by is maybe attempting to press past it. And I know even leading up to this, everything I've probably said makes me sound insane. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. Yeah. If you're still listening, I love you. What if we press beyond that? If there truly were two things that were you know, flying around space, how did they get there? And what if, as far as we know on this plane of existence, it wasn't just a Hadron Collider? You know? I think that's what it's called, the Hadron Collider and in Sweden or Switzerland or whatever the hell. That thing that's, that's attempting to recreate the Big Bang. We have no idea if that's just, I mean, that could have easily been how we started. 
and there's dozens of, if not hundreds of thousands of, if not billions of creatures on some other plane that did that, and we are technically microscopic to them. But then, I mean, we already know for certain there are microscopic creatures here. We know for certain microscopic creatures exist. Uh, you know, I'm not going to pretend to name any of them, but I mean, literally just the flu or the cold, like that is a thing. Like that's a, it's an actual thing that you can't see without a microscope. So why would we be, why would we be so arrogant to think that there's nothing looking down on us in a microscope? What, what if we are genuinely in, in a test tube or in a vial or on a slide somewhere in the equivalent of whatever extra beings, intelligence, seventh grade science class? <laughs> what if what if it, in their class they are dissecting us like frogs? You know what I mean? Like what, what if we had like there's no way to to prove that's not true. But I would argue that it's more likely than not. I, the, the idea that we're the biggest thing. We know for a fact that you can zoom in 10 times and find things and then zoom in another 100 times and find things and then zoom in another 1,000 times and find things and keep zooming in. You just keep going smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller to the tiniest fucking thing that still moves on its own accord. It doesn't need batteries. It doesn't need us. It existed without us, and it's microscopic. And I, I wish there was a better word for that. I'm sure there is for even smaller than microscopic. Shit we can't even see that is smaller than the best technology we have. Why would we think that, that we are then the biggest thing? We're the last level. We're suddenly the, the, the uh, we, we are the end all, we're the end of the line. Buck stops here. Uh, I'm, I'm an American, God damn it. So I know I'm the biggest thing going. I mean, we could look out in the space, you know, and that, that's the thing too. Like uh, Vance has actually got me on a kick. I've been watching like YouTube space videos of just like you know, the satellite imagery out in space. And holy smoke, like some of these things are gigantic. And like, I'm not necessarily saying that they're conscious or, or you know, that, that, they, that, that those things have a soul. I don't know. You know, like I, I have no idea what, what level of existence you want to claim that to be. But they, it, they exist and they're effing massive. I mean, like, just the sun exists. Like, <laughs> I know that's an incredibly base point. I, I don't know that. I don't know that I've ever said something more elementary than the sun exists. But it is a gigantic ball of fire, and we just rarely talk about that. It's just hovering, like it's just a giant fireball hovering in space, and we're just spinning around it, like dancing around a campfire when you're drunk. Like that's just what Earth is doing, and has been doing, and will be doing for ever that is absurd guys like holy smokes like I, <laughs> in real time i that that is absolutely absurd and it's just we take it for granted it's just this gigantic i mean bigger than anything we've ever seen or ever could see it's heavier than anything it's a dense and also fire like and there's you know thousands of planets and other stars and other solar systems and other galaxies and that's just what we know that's just what we are certain of imagine all the shit we're not certain of and that's what leads me to this nonsense about God? And I have to call it nonsense because I, if I pretend that I know what I'm talking about, then I, you know, I get too caught up in my own shit, so you can't do that. If this whole God thing is real, I have to admit I think it's important to attempt to understand it. We're never going to understand it, I mean, obviously. And as much as my dog will never understand what I'm thinking, you know, my, my dog will never understand how a car engine works. I don't understand how a car engine works, but my dog certainly will never understand it. You know what I mean? So like, if we're even comparing ourselves to a, to a dog at God's feet, like, come on, we're never going to get it. But isn't it worth trying? You know, like, isn't it worth at least aiming for every now and again? You know, it's been a minute since we've done God talk on this, but like, we at this point it's solo, but you know what I mean? 
it's fun, or at least for me, I find it incredibly fun because you can't prove anything. So it's, it's just this open, it's just a blank canvas for which to philosophize or just bullshit about. And it, it, if nothing else, it's a, it's a mental vacation from the day to day. And if, if real, it's amazing. And if fake, <laughs> it's amazing. If God doesn't exist, we are amazing creatures for having created it. And if God does exist, we are amazing creatures for having been created. And if you're still listening, you're an amazing person. And genuinely, thank you. Have a great night. Or day or whenever you're listening to this. Thank you.